Welcome to another episode of the Valero Verdict Podcast. I am your host, Ricky Valero. On today's episode, I'm going to be continuing on with my Women Appreciation Month podcast series. Throughout the month of December, I will be sharing interviews with women in all different sorts of walk of life. Today, I'm going to speak to my friend who is a writer for NBC Sports, host of the NBC Sports Balk Talk Show, as well as the co-host of the Corked Up Podcast, Jessica Kleinschmidt. We talked about her career, her love for baseball, and so much more. I really hope you enjoy the interview. I'd like to welcome to the show Jessica Kleinschmidt. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm on my second cup of coffee, so Mama's feeling it. Mama's good right now. Right. It's a it's the perfect way to start the morning. Oh my gosh! I don't like. I met when I meet people, they're like they're not coffee people. One of my best friends finally got into coffee recently, which is good because I wouldn't be able to maintain a friendship. Like, how do you do that? Like, <laughs> you just go through life not drinking coffee. I can't imagine. It's crazy. I just discovered coffee myself a couple years ago. And um, it's fantastic, is it not? <laughs> it's a life changer. I literally cannot start a day without it. I, it's... I like, so the coffee itself helps, but I like the routine of making it too. It just makes me feel like my day started. It's the only way to get me out of bed. It's like to make the coffee if I, unless my, it's already made for me, but yeah. So I guess random question off the bat, do you, any cream? I'm, I'm like, I used as I've grown older, the cream is less and less, but I do use cream and sugar. Um, but I, it need it can, it needs to look like it's coffee, not like milk. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm becoming, I'm an adult now, you know, like drink coffee to drink coffee. I like the taste of coffee now. So that's good. Yeah. I'm, I've been heavy into cold brew lately mm. and it's, that's super hipster of you, Ricky. <laughs> Thank- <laughs> but I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's pumpkin. It's pumpkin spice season. I don't know what you're I'm drinking. About, pumpkin spice right now, light pumpkin spice, but perfect. I'm also in leggings and Uggs, so I'm really doing the basic stuff right now. What's the temperature out there right now? Um, well, it's actually really nice. It's California, but it's you know, I want to say 60s. But I just run my my hands and my feet are always cold, yeah. so it's just that's just how it is. As long as my feet are fine. I won't complain. I might, I'll complain about something else, but it won't be from being cold. <laughs> All right. So my first question to you is who is Jessica? Where were you born, raised and stuff like that? Um, I was born in, well, where I was born, I feel like doesn't really describe me, but I was born in Baltimore, Maryland, which a lot of people don't know. Um, but then they see like all of my kind of affin- affinity with the Ravens. But I was nine months old when I moved to Monterey, California. That's where my mom is from. So my dad wanted me and uh, my brother eventually, because he wasn't born yet, but he wanted you know his family to be raised around her family. We lived there from the time I was nine, um, and then we moved to Reno. So Reno's my hometown. I lived there for about 20 years. Tried to get out, moved to the Bay Area one time, hated it, and then coincidentally, now I have a job working for NBC Sports Bay Area, but I'm covering my favorite team as a kid growing up, so it's lucky, but that's those are all the places I, I went to. So. Yeah, Reno's not far, which is good. It's three three hours away. If I, you know, I could probably go home for the holidays, which is really cool if it's not snowing. Uh, but that's my hometown. So if you ever see me, like, you know, I say y'all a lot. I'm kind of a redneck at heart. And there's no, I'm trying to find a good country bar in the Bay Area. So if anybody has any recommendations, let Hit me her up. <laughs> so baseball, what about what what drew you to baseball? Maybe as a kid. And then to turns this into writing about it. So I've always loved writing and I've always loved baseball. Obviously, I love to talk. I I would get A's in in my subjects, but I get like an F in citizenship. (laughs) Um, 
because you could put me in a corner and I would still talk. I'd be talking to my, to like alone, talking to myself. But I actually played baseball growing up, up until I was about, I think a sophomore in high school, I was playing baseball. Um, and then I tried to try out for the high school team, but the coach was like, unfortunately, like we offer softball, It'd just be easier if you played softball. Cause and he said it was the same sport. It's not. Um, but it was just my childhood. Like we had our Sunday family dinners at the snack bar. My parents were heavily involved in the community. And, um, you know, my dad was the president of the little league. My mom ran the snack bar and she was, she did stats and, uh, she score kept and everything like that. And so that was my first taste of what like a batting average was, was my, my mom printed out the sheet. I like the third best batting average one year. And I like, I like, don't know what happened. It was the first and only home run I ever hit. It was the only woman to ever make 11, 12 all-stars for that little league, I think to this day. And um, it was just such a building block for my future because it taught me to be competitive. It taught me to work as a team. It taught me to be independent because I was the only woman on the team or girl on the team forever. And as I grow older, I wanted to be the first female MLB player. Apparently you have to hit like hundred mile an hour fastballs over the fence and exceed five foot one, you know? So none of those things happened, um, of course. And so I was like, well, I like talking. I like um, writing. I love writing. I think writing is, um, it's a form of communication that will never die. And um, it's, it's such an easier way to consume my content because even though I know a lot of us are working from home, like you're working at your nine to five and you wanna take a break and read my stuff, it's so much easier to do that than listen to me talk. Um, so I just created a career and it's the, the short version of it, Ricky is like, I wanted to do it and I went out and I did it. And now after a bottle of wine, I'll tell you like the blood, sweat and tears story, but I just wanted it. And I knew I was going to get it. Everything I've ever wanted, I pretty much had in my life. Um, and I'm lucky with that. And so I just remember when I was young, I went to my first A's game I, and I told my dad, I was like, dad, I, I'm going to cover this team one day. I know I am. And he was like, all right. But like, and he believed me. He was like, I, he's like, okay, cool. But I don't want you doing it just because you're going to say you're going to do it and you write, you know, whatever. But, and I, and I did it and NBC gave me that, that beautiful opportunity. And, um, and here I am today, two years into my NBC sports Bay area job covering the A's and giants and baseball nationally. So it's, that's how it started. And I still love baseball to this day. It's a different type of love. It's like, we've been married for so long that it's like the romance may not always be there, but I have such a damn respect for it, you know, and behind the scenes and the people I've met who've become my family, whether it's the players or their spouses or front office people, or just people working behind the scenes, it's just been amazing. So I'm so lucky that I, I, I don't know how to describe it. I just remember being little saying like, I'm going to be in baseball for the rest of my life. And I get to do that, which is cool. It is awesome. I, I, I've known you for basically prior to, you know, you making it to where you are now. And I remember like you just being this person that I was like, man, she's a really good writer. You, you were, you worked hard. Like you just saw it consistently. Yeah. And, and I know you said that already, but for me, that's one thing that was consistent with you was you saw how hard you worked and if you wanted something, you got it. And it's, it's been crazy to watch you evolve over this course of time because it's, it's truly amazing. You know, it's, it's an inspiration story, inspirational story, which could lead to my next question. What would you say 
to the little girls and, and even to the little boys, you know what I mean? Expiring journalists trying to enter the world of sports. I would tell them not to do it. And, and the reason why I say that is I love to see their reactions. I say, I, you know, when a girl approaches me, that's what it is. Like, oh, I want to be a, I want to work in baseball. I, I know I'm going to do it. And it's, it's the same conversation pretty much over and over again. I was like, well, you have to work hard and do that. And they're like, well, yeah, but what else? And I was like, that's, that's pretty much the secret sauce. And, but that's the thing, like I, one of my biggest pet peeves in, you know, is talk and no action. Um, I see a lot of people tweeting about things they want to do and it's like, cool, but go out and do it. And, and that's beyond your career. That's people in your life. They're going to say they're going to do something. If they don't step up and do something, they shouldn't be in your life. And I never wanted to be that person. And so I would talk about it and talk about it. And, and a lot of people actually started at the beginning. were like, okay, Jess, but then as time went on, they're like, wait, she's actually going to do it. And so I want to see the reactions. If I say, don't do it. And they're like, oh, okay, you're right. But I like the girls who were like, F off, I'm going to do this. And then I'm like, cool, let's get a glass of wine. And let's talk about it. Um, but you have to be, I have to be harsh with them. And my, one of my best friends, Melanie Newman, I had her on one of my podcasts and it's so hard to find the balance of saying it's a great rewarding career and it's a really crappy career. And it's not a crappy career because of what it is, but you know, I have to work tomorrow. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving. I'm working on Thanksgiving and I don't get to see my family as much. Last year I was in the studio, which sounds sexy, right? But no, I was, in, I was in at my desk writing about the Warriors and I really missed my mom. I couldn't go back home for Christmas and your social life is different. Sometimes I wouldn't leave the field until one o'clock in the morning. And that's like a, that's a lot. And then, you know, beyond that, it's just, it kind of takes over your life. And I was nervous about that at the beginning because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so obsessed with my career, but it's not even necessarily an obsession because you do have to be obsessed with it if you want to make it. But it's just such an all-consuming sport because news is 24-7 and we're attached to people, right? You know, somebody might go out and a trade could happen at one o'clock in the morning. We have to be on top of that. So it's a lot of like, like that. So I kind of hit him with the reality at first. However, it's, I love it. I love it so much. And, it, and it's beyond the coolness of saying I was going to do this from the beginning. Like I played the sport so I can kind of relate to the guys on a certain level. I mean, I mean, I never played professional baseball, but I was never given the opportunity or else I would have loved that. But I love learning from them and storytelling. I love learning from other people in my industry. And I've met the most amazing women and some of the worst women in this industry too. And, um, and beyond that, it's so fulfilling. And of course there's the trolls and then, you know, people talking crap about me, strangers and harassment. I've been sexually harassed. I've been stalked. Um, I, all the, the bad things are definitely there, but they, the, the good pretty much outweighs it. Um, but I'm exhausted all the time. I feel like a lot of people don't like me for me. They like me because of what I do. Um, and, and that's difficult too. Um, but so that's what I tell them. And to be yourself, as stupid as it sounds, the reason why I have so many awesome opportunities is because I threw what I thought I was supposed to be out the door and just presented who I was. And, and I'm still trying to figure out who I am, but I, I don't want somebody to be on the other side of my interview thinking like, why is she being fake? Or why is she trying to get something from me? Because A, that's exhausting. And then when you're done finishing pressing record, you're like, who the fuck was that? Like, that wasn't me. So you, it was just, I want to be myself and show that being yourself is, is awesome because when you're yourself, there's no, and you're authentic, there's no competition. 
so that's a huge piece of advice. Um, and then just to keep trucking and push out content and do what you feel is right. And not every journey is correct. You know, you don't have to, I didn't go to school. I was, a, I'm a college dropout. Like I did not go to, to school for this. So it's like, if you want to figure out your own way, that's great. And, uh, but stick to what you do and like work hard, respect people um, and network like crazy and, you know, be true to who you are and amazing things will happen. Yeah. That's one thing that I've noticed uh, it, for me, it's like, you know, I work the, the eight to five and then it's like, people are like, man, how do you push out so content? I'm like this content so much. And for me, it's like, I don't want to be, I want to make this my eight to five. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not particularly these interviews, even with these interviews, but podcasting, writing and stuff like that. I, I do write a lot, but people don't understand. Like it's not going to be handed to you. Right. Like, you know what I mean? If it was that easy, everybody would be this said thing. You know what I mean? And, and to me, it's inspiring to understand the one thing I didn't know is, is that you were a college dropout. I mean, it, I didn't know that, you know, I didn't go to school for writing or anything like that either. So it's, for me, it's like, it's a, it's a learning curve, obviously throughout the process, because you're kind of teaching yourself how to do some of these things. Um, but it's inspiration to understand. That's the first time I've ever really asked that question. And you said, don't do it. I, I, I but I like the, the thought process behind it because mm -hmm. if you think about I it, I like to see the reaction because it's yeah. a, it's a tough industry, you know, yeah. and Melanie, I asked her, I was like, Hey, like, how do I make it? So I don't sound so mean. She's like, no, you're just being honest, you know, yeah. and you have to kind of tell it like it is. And I, I've never been one to not do that. I'm very blunt. If I'm upset with something, if, if something's not bringing me peace or joy, I get that shit out of my life. And so, and that's also the good stuff. You want the good stuff to come, but the moment Absolutely. something bad, you want to get rid of that too. So I'm not saying it's bad enough to where oh, there's so much bad stuff in this industry where you want to get rid of it because it's not even necessarily bad. It's just the reality of it. And there's, there's things you have to be careful of and everything like that, but you have to be real. And, and especially in my line, like, it, like it's, you know, I'm, I'm on camera constantly. I'm constantly on the radio. I'm constantly putting myself out there, which is scary as fuck. It is scary Absolutely. because you give, and, and one of my mentors at work said, no matter how much good you put out, you're still putting yourself out there to receive criticism. And not a lot of people can handle that. I've been in the industry maybe five years and I'm finally a little bit less annoyed by strangers comments on the internet, especially when it's a personal attack on my appearance or something like that. It's like, I literally, literally God gave me this nose. What do you want from me? I don't know what you want me to say. So it's just like, it's, it's stuff like that. And it took me a while to get over that. And there's that one saying like the people that are doing less than you are going to criticize you. People that are doing more than you are not going to do that. And so these people that are coming at me being, if you really think about all the crappy things that have happened to you in your life, the mean people, they're jealous or they're, they're doing less than you are. You're doing all the things you said you would out, you, you wanted to do. And people are scared to really be themselves. They're so scared. And it's, and it's true because think about it this way. We are in charge of our own happiness, our own success. And that's a scary thing, yep. but you know, I, I like to think I have a good sense of who I am, but I'm still figuring it out. And that's what the beauty of the journey is. Right. And mm -hmm. when you're a public and you're in the public, I don't want to say a public figure. I don't want to say I'm famous, but my stuff's out there. I'm, I'm easily accessible on social media. So you have to remind yourself, you're not going to be quite there yet, but you know, no holds bar, get yourself out there and remind you the bullshit is all part of the journey. Absolutely. So that's one thing that I was going to ask, because one thing that I've noticed over the years 
is your handling of the trolls. I don't want to give the trolls a time of day, but the flip side of that is, and I, you somewhat answered it, but how would you explain to somebody how to handle the trolls? It, it varies. Um, I get in trouble a lot for what I say to the trolls. Um, but I'm also not one to like, and especially if it's, if it's a BS thing, like this one troll who's literally been harassing me for 10 years, he'll be like, oh, well, she stole these quotes from somebody when I literally, it was an exclusive interview that I attained. I, I was the host. And so like, they're literally lying. Um, so if you hit them with facts, they're going to look bad, but that's what sucks is people see the stuff that's being said to you. So it really depends. I'm lucky enough where NBC's told me to be like, Jess, you need to relax. And I'm glad I have that. But they also know that they knew what they were getting when they hired me. Like, I'm not going to stand for shit. Um, and, mm. and so it, it just varies. Most of the time, it's better to ignore. Most of the time, it really, really is. And that took me a long time to come to Jesus and it's be like, hard. okay, they are not, it's so hard. It's so hard, especially when they're, like I said, like coming at you with BS and like, oh, well, Jess did this. And like, that's literally not true. Um, I got the exclusive interview. I did this, I did that um, and, and everything like that. But I have amazing people in my corner who understand um, and stuff like that. So it's most of the time, just stay silent. Your first hater though, like brush your shoulder off, mama you made it. And, and that's, and that's, you're like, cool, 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 cool. But that's the thing that sucks. I hate, don't go to advice from a, somebody who's a nine to five or no offense, but it's, they're, they're going to be like, oh, just ignore it. Grow a thick skin. Okay. Rob, you're in your cubicle. I aming Joe, who is two cubicles over. Yep. Don't tell me to grow a thick skin. You have no idea what I'm going through being mm -hmm. a woman and looking like I do. I'm always going to be, I'm, I'm immediately, I'm a target. Yep. And, um, but I'm not going to not dress cute. I'm not going to not do my eye, my eye makeup and my hair to make you feel more of a man. I'm not going to deal with that. Um, and, and so that's where I get upset. But like I said, let yourself go send it to your friends. Be like, oh my gosh, you know, it's fine. But I do work for a really big company and I don't want them to look bad. And my tweets show up on where my podcast is on the website. Um, but sometimes it's okay to kind of be honest, you know, if you're going to swerve on guys, you just better back it up with facts. And that's what all my girlfriends say. Like, if you're going to just say something stupid, like, you know, like if somebody says my hair looks bad, that's literally untrue. My hair <laughs> doesn't, you know, like that's, that's like offense. That's I'm offended. I'm offended yeah. by that. And my mother who worshiped me and, and gave me this gorgeous hair is probably going to be offended too. So that stuff I don't stand for. Um, but saying that like my, my work is, incorrect and stuff like i'm gonna t i'm gonna have typos yeah that happens yes. um it's like good for you you, you found a typo that's awesome yeah. but and that that stuff is whatever but you know thank personal you, thank attacks, you grammar police i, I appreciate yeah like that. good for you dude um but thanks for reading though i appreciate the yeah click. i'm like my boss liked that you clicked it like everything's <laughs> fine so it's kind of like from that but personal tax on family like that's when it's an another thing like i've had to go you know that's the beauty of working for a big corporation is you go, can go to places, but if you're working for yourself, like that's scary. Like I've had to go to the police before and stuff like that. So know your, your, not only your limits, but your 
the place you work for is limits. And, and luckily I have an amazing support system where even if I am annoyed by a tweet, I just forward it to them and they take care of it um, and everything like that. But at the end of the day, these people are miserable. And like I said, they, if they're doing less than you, that's when they're going to come at you. So 100%. just try to be strong about it. And giving into it too much is just makes you look stupid. Like I hate when girls are like, oh my God, they're mansplaining me. They're not always going to be mansplaining you. Like just chill a little bit. Stop bitching about being a woman in sports. We know it sucks. But when you're tweeting constantly about how tough it is, it's like you could be writing an article. You could be booking a guest. And to me, all those haters who used to talk crap, like they can't do say anything now. Like I kept progressing. I kept progressing because even, even yeah, at the beginning, sure, I wasn't always going to be on it. And I, I was still learning and stuff. Of course, you're going to mm -hmm. come at me. But that's more motivation for me. 100%. I like that. So let's have a little fun here. <laughs> this has been thing... fun the entire time. I don't know what you're <laughs> talking about. I've been having a blast this entire time. <laughs> a minute, but well played. <laughs> All right. So there's one thing that I know you hate a whole lot. Oh, my God. Just ballpark proposals? It is. Fuck. Okay. Why? Okay. So when I was little, this was my dream. I always wanted to be proposed to by a guy at a game, on the mound, whatever. But as time went on, as and I be I became older, and this is going to sound really stupid, but and like this is so not part of the podcast. But I always get asked, "Why are you single?" Ironically enough, it's because I do take relationships seriously. That's why I'm single. I won't just I can make a phone call, I can tweet a guy. I I get proposed to on Twitter all the time. This is not not my mom's pumped about it. James four five three two one. Maybe I will marry you one day. Who knows? But. As I get older, I love love. I love it so much, but I think it's society has made it so they want to make a spectacle out of a proposal. And you're doing it in front of strangers. You're getting validation from fucking strangers. Like that's pathetic. B, you're interrupting my game. If I'm there watching a game and you really want to, you, you really want to do that, and like that's stupid. And not to mention, it's just like a slap in the face of love. It's like, okay, so that's, that. those are the main things. And I'm just like over them. And now it's like, I'm over, I'm not like annoyed and, and like, I don't want to say I'm bitter because I'm like a single woman, but it's just like, it's, it's stupid. They're stupid. Yeah. Cause it, to, for me, it's not just like the ballpark ones. It's like the one in the middle of the mall. It's the one in, in the middle of Times Square. Like it's like really... Times Square is dope. Don't get me wrong. There's a ball dropping and we're hammered off of champagne. Let's go. <laughs> but like, if you interrupt me eating my helmet nachos and you want to spend the rest of your life with me, you'll let me finish my nachos before you ask me to marry you. That's it. However, I think my future husband's totally going to propose to me at a baseball game. Cause I'm hoping I date somebody who's a total like, troll with me and like is like i'm gonna do it and i'm like cool fuck you but yes <laughs> just be like no walk out and when they get you know get back I'm to like, the oh house my God, it's I'm like just kidding because like kidding. you're Where's like you're my at? ride so i have yeah. to come back <laughs> you're my ride home <laughs> i like that um tell me something that you've learned through this quarantine um how to try to stop overthinking so much. I am the most confident person you'll meet. I'm also the most insecure person you'll meet. And um, so I'm trying to work on my overthinking. Um, and I didn't overthink until quarantine. That's because we're isolated. We're doing all of our stuff. Um, but I also learned 
how capable I am of amazing things. Um, I launched two shows during quarantine, um, two fucking baseball shows during quarantine. I covered a baseball season during quarantine. I managed to make amazing relationships with people to help me become like hopefully a better insider um, in quarantine. And you kind of realize who is like down for you legitimately, like your actual people. Um, so I, I actually, I'm very lucky. I had a very successful 2020. Um, I got an opportunity to host the World Series. Um, I couldn't do it because of, um, I guess I'm gonna say like company restrictions, but the fact that one big television company wanted me to host a World Series event from here, like blew my mind. And how to just be softer with myself. Like I put so much pressure on myself to do so many things when I'm already doing so many things, like oh. I'm doing great, you know? Like it just spoke to my heart there. Like that one's yeah. me, it's like, you know. And I think we're all going through some shit right now. Yeah. And I of all, like I'm, I of all people, and like there are so many beautiful people that you can lean on to. That's probably the number one takeaway. Like I vent to so many of my friends when I'm overthinking and the good ones will be like, it's okay, tell me more, keep going, lay it on me, let's go. So there are so many beautiful takeaways from quarantine and just to like slow down a little bit. My life was constantly go, go, go. And between, you know, I would commute five days a week into the city, which is an hour and a half each way. And that's, that was exhausting. And to know that, you know, and it makes me miss people, which is cool. I, I love that I can, that I have beautiful people in my life that I can miss. So a lot of good shit actually happened in quarantine. See, that's the thing for me too. Like when people say like, you know, 2020 has been awful and it has not been grand for a lot of people. And I understand that. But for me, Ricky Valero, personally, I've had a really good year. You know what I mean? I launched yeah. a podcast Yeah, and you shouldn't network, feel bad about that. I no. felt awful about that. I was yeah. like telling my, I like didn't tell a lot of people that I was launching. I didn't tell people I was launching a podcast because I was worried they were going to be like, well, I lost my job or I did this. And like, for sure. you shouldn't be, you should be empathetic toward or sympathetic toward people, but you also should celebrate yourself because we're capable of amazing things. And to know that I dug deep enough and I were like, exactly. I was, I knew I could do it, but when you actually see it to do it and like embrace it too. Like I'm always like, cool. I launched two shows. What's next? What's next? You launched two shows, babe. That's fucking awesome. Exactly. Like chill on that a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's hard to like, you, we're, in the same wavelength when it comes to that for me it's like all right i did this all right now what else can i do like what else do yeah. i not have time for can yeah. i do you know what i mean yeah and the grass is always greener right like cool like i did that but like i can't do this and this isn't happening i'm not a billionaire yet it's like <laughs> chill just like you still have a job and stuff like that so it's yeah it's been yeah one player you want to interview um Everybody's always like, Joey, Joey Votto. I've interviewed Joey Votto. Chill. Um, man, I don't know. I've Maybe Eric Chavez, because he's the reason why I fell in love with A's. So he's definitely on my list. I, I could probably make it happen, but I'm just, I'm kind of waiting for that right moment. Or in Vince Scully, for sure. For sure. Um, Women-wise, I definitely want to interview Kim Ang. Absolutely. I've been covering her career for so long, and she... 
I was always writing about her. She almost got the job, almost got the, got the job. And so when the Marlins hired her as a GM, it was like, <sighs> so, so probably, yeah, I think those three are probably the main three. I like it. You notice Vince Scully, I don't have to give a, a reason why, just because Vince fucking Scully. <laughs> right. Anybody else you need to have like an essay for, but <laughs> him is just, we already Yeah. Know. Describe Jessica in one word. Dynamic. All right. So my last question for you. It's my favorite question to ask anybody. What is your favorite Taylor Swift song? It's a great question. I think Out of the Woods. That one has been on my repeat for off and on for quite a while, only because we've always, everybody's gone through that in a relationship. Like, are we still going through the bullshit or are we out of the woods? Like what's going on? And it's also like her little like sassiness. Cause you know, Taylor Swift's been through some shit. <laughs> for sure. But so have I, but I didn't, I don't have like a platform to talk about it. And she did. And she turned it into like billion dollars of amazingness. So I think that one's really, really good. But I do like her old, Enchanted was really good too. Um, yeah, I really liked Enchanted. I feel like that that was a good one too. And then um, Sparks Fly, that's a good one. But I think Out of the Woods recently, that that's just been, it's one of those songs that you don't like skip. You listen to it. Where can we find you? Do you have my address? <laughs> I just finished telling you how many weird people <laughs> stalk me. Um, Twitter at KleinschmidtJD and then Instagram Jessica Kleinschmidt. Mama just hit fifty thousand followers on Twitter. Congratulations! Um, I never. When I started following you, you had like thirteen hundred maybe or something like that. I remember when I had my one thousandth follower. I will always Casey Sogard. Her husband is a baseball player. He played for the A's. She was my one thousandth follower. I never told her that. She's also the first person to ever listen to me on the radio and just, it's insane. Like, and she's still in my life and it's really cool. I love that. Thank you so much for joining me today. Of course. Thanks for having me.